Give me the green light. Give me just one night. I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go. Welcome, everybody, to episode 129 of the Greenlight Podcast, POC, E-Frage, back in the building, the virtual Zoom building, that is. And we are now in the best three-week stretch of basketball period that there exists in this country. We both wish we were still in New York so we could uh, meander on the uh, subway back and forth between Barclays and MSG, but... We are here, man. We made it. Oh no, I'm. I am. I, I will say yes. I. I wish uh, it was in New York, but I'm. I'm pretty excited to be able to get to Greensboro this weekend for the ACC tournament. Yeah, um, that's a good point. What games are you? Are you in, uh, obviously Virginia, but what do we think? Thursday night will be UVA versus most likely UNC, um, and no. then the game after that is probably going to be NC State Virginia Tech, which could be a really good matchup as well. That's the Thursday night um if they win i'll go friday night and if they they win i'll go saturday um i still wish that i miss the days of the acc championship being on sunday afternoon um i, I call me lame call me appears whatever i i liked having a a sunday afternoon i liked having saturday as um having the two night games be the semis but um but yeah it'll be it'll be really interesting i think if I had to put money on it right now, I think Duke honestly probably walks out of Greensboro winning they, the ACC they're the championship. They're favorite in Vegas right now. I that was wondering. I didn't know. If, I didn't know what betting odds. Uh, plus two seventy five. I think Miami's plus three fifty, three seventy five. I yeah, was yeah. like, what? They're the favorite. It's one thing for them to be top three, top four, but the favorite is kind of shot. But look, I get it. They're playing really well. I understand, but like that's still crazy to me. So is Miami. Yeah. Miami's playing well. They are. And I think if you look, obviously, I mean, since pretty much, I mean, they lost at Virginia Tech on January 23rd. Their only losses were they got smoked at Miami and they lost at no. Virginia. Other than that, though, like yeah, they're, what, they're just 10? they're they're coming together. Like Duke's offense and their specifically their three point shooting still scares me a little bit. Yeah. Um, I said one, I feel like I say this every single year and we've talked about it, but I sent a text the other night, like, man, this team could use Gary Trent jr. Or man, this team could use like Trevor Tyler, Tyler Thornton, or I like it, just having a, a two guard that can space the floor. Um, and I'll give credit. I, I think I was really tough on Tyrese Proctor earlier. You were very, he's tough. gotten, he's gotten better. Like he's still so is Jeremy Roach. If you look at his year over year numbers, oh Roach, yeah, no, I and I've always been a fan of Jeremy Roach. I will say, giving him a vote for ACC Player of the Year, whoever gave him that one vote is absolutely out of their mind. I mean, but like that's always my thing. Like, is it just a funny thing that like sh like like a writer like who I don't know who does that? And I know we're going to talk about ACC Coach of the Year um, and the the qualifications that go into it. I do think it's funny that all of it is based off. Like the preseason votes are based off the media, like the preseason standings are based off the media, and then the votes 
for coach of the year are based off the media as well. Yeah. And so it's kind of, it turns into this argument of like, all right, who did, as the media, who did we get wrong the most at the beginning of the season? Like, yeah. And that's, yeah, that's really what it's come down to. And let's, yeah, let's get into coach of the year qualifications and what should be coach of the year. And this goes all the way to like, you know, the argument of Jordan and LeBron not winning MVP every single year, right? Like who's the best coach versus who had the best individual statistical season from a coaching perspective. And then to your point, who would we mess up on? Oh, we, we projected Pitt to be 10th and they finished in uh sack. I don't know. Fifth, like, Oh, okay. So that's a, that's a massive turnaround. Shout out to Capel. That must be all Capel versus we projected you to go to finish second. You finished fourth. So of course not. You would never like it. I don't know, man. I feel like that should just be all coaches voting. Coaches yeah, ADs. I think the I think coaches would be a more fair way to do it. I think that I don't put as much stock in, and I know I just use this as as a as a as a point, but I don't put as much stock in the preseason rankings no. and where you finish. I do put stock though into looking at. I think you have to look at last year in some way, though. I think you have to look at historically at. Like Pitt last year. Does the roster? The well, I think not even just the roster, but even the players you got. Like look at Pitt last year. You're looking at they went 11 and 21. They went six and 10 in the ACC. They had like they had Jamarius Burton, who was their first team All ACC player this year. They had some other guys. So the the roster did turn over. So, but Jeff there's clearly something different there that Jeff Capel didn't got out of that team to take them from an 11 and 21 team to 21 and 10 and finishing 14 and four and tied for second in the ACC or tied for third. So okay. that I, I put more stock into, all right, this team was not very good last year. He coached them up. They got much, much better. They, and they did, I think not to say the rankings, but they did finish way higher than they people expected they they're a much better team than people expected my argument against duke and that is not i think honestly i think that john shire did a great coaching job i think he deserved votes towards it do i think he did the best coaching job of everyone no i think it's probably jeff capel um and i think maybe even like you could even eh, i don't want to put brad brownell in there but like I, yeah, I think get, that I get why the, the I mean, but here's the thing. Now you you have to get ready to be, become the villain, and I don't think you're ready. Oh, to be the, you're not ready to Tony be Bennett's the villain not, of the ACC, bro. You're not. Dog, I'm fine. Tony Bennett's got four you're ACC coach years and two national coach years. I'm fine with that. I, I get it. Like that's the thing. It's like now that the standard you're never is getting set, the coach of the year ever. You're done. The only way, like they we I, I know we text about this. Like if they went undefeated in the ACC and like won by like th or maybe well, yeah, one loss yeah. and they won by like a three game margin, which is so hard to do now, especially with a 20 game conference schedule. Yeah. That's really the only, like you really have to set yourself apart and you but look, that I mean, to me isn't fair. If we're okay with that being a double standard, then we're okay with that being a double standard. But is that fair to Tony Bennett to make that the requirement? Okay. This is what you got to do. And why is that? Just I think because, because that much success, like, Okay. No, I no, you're right. I think there's a sustainability factor to it, but like, I don't think we we're gonna give extra points to Jeff Capel and Pitt doing what they did with the roster that he would put together. 
versus a team that like, like you mentioned, obviously there's turnover, but it's like the number one recruiting class in the country. Oh, I'm not yeah. arguing that Cable shouldn't have won it. Yeah, yeah. I'm fine with it. But I'm if you keep running out the number one in class. Give yeah. me the KPIs. What are the most important things to win a, in general, forget the ACC, just the coach of the year? Like, what is it? I And I think, I think it is the reason, I think most cases are Cable. It's a turnaround. It's a shocker. It's from preseason number 12 to number four, you know, whatever the numbers are on each. Like, I think that's what it is. We probably should like just quickly Google all the other coaches of the year. I haven't had a chance. Yeah. To, but like, I wonder if that's the narrative for the majority. And like, I, yeah. Big East. yeah. And I'm looking at, I, even if you look at national coach of the year, and we've talked about this before, but the theme, like Tommy Lloyd last year won at Arizona, but Tommy Lloyd took Arizona basketball from a deep, dark place into a one seed winning the Pac-12. Right. Now, the year before that is the example that we just said there of you have to go to extraordinary measures. It's Mark Few and Gonzaga because they went undefeated until the last game. And Mark Few is one like, yeah, they they are like I think even in 2020 years before they have been consistent. They've been in the tournament. They win the conference every year. But he did something outstanding he, he had an outstanding achievement anthony grant the year before like that they had one of the best records in the entire country they were going to be a top seed in 2020 they end up um and they and they end up obviously the tournament gets canceled but um anthony grant wins matt painter won in 2019 ironically tony bennett won in 2018 so um like what virginia did over the course of the 18 season now it probably hurt Tony Bennett because they were so good in 18. And then even when 19, when they won it, he didn't win because that standard was set. Matt Painter, who lost to Virginia in the Elite Eight, ended up winning that. So, like, it is hard. Like, Cal Perry won in 15. Um, but, obviously, that was, once again, that was extraordinary feat. They went all the way until the Final Four before losing. Um, and so, I think you're right. It, it's probably a, a mixture of both. But I think when you stack it up, it, it will be hard, like, it will you know be what? hard for John Shire, Tony Bennett, or even Hubert Davis to win ACC Coach of the Year. Can you? Do you think that you should be able to win National Coach of the Year if you didn't win your Conference Coach of the Year? It's a good question. I think so. I'm that sure it's happened. This is my. I guess this is my hypothetical to you. Then I'll counter it before I answer that. If Duke won the national championship this year would you give Shire coach of the year? Like how much stock do you put in I know the NCAA tournament in those six games versus the 30, however many you're playing the rest of the year? I know. I mean, this, not trying to get out of control, but like it is, it's like, I know, I know. You took well, it, it, it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard because it's you took a, a final four team last year. Granted, it's a completely different team. It's took them there, but it, you're still Duke basketball. You still are. You have the foundation of Duke basketball. No doubt. Whereas Jeff Capel has had to rebuild Pitt completely, like twice, twice over again at this point. Yeah, it's um, not. So you're going to get the benefit of the doubt there. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's what Harbaugh said about Ryan Day, right? You know, like John Shire didn't take over Kennesaw State, you know, right? So he he was. Whether you want to put him on second or third base, he said, "Born you know, on, born on third base, and thought he hit a triple. Thought he hit a triple, right? And again, I'm not. That's not saying I'm not like speaking for Shire or anything yeah. like that. I'm just saying that, yeah, to your point, 
taking over Duke, regardless of when you do it, is not taking over, you know, a, a, a bad program. And Kay, I know, and the last thing I'll say on this, I know Kay, and this is kind of to your point a little bit, Kay hadn't won it in forever. The one thing I'll give Shire a lot of credit for is I think that he has dealt with a decent amount of adversity this year. I mean, guys being hurt, guys being hurt. um, And obviously like expectations, everything that goes into that, like he's right. They've gotten better defensively. Um, They've got, he's like guys have developed like Kyle Filipowski has developed even uh, over the year. Like Tyrese Proctor has developed. Mark Mitchell, Mark Mitchell, Whitehead, like was hurt. Whitehead has been hurt like at times. And so, He's weathered the storm, so I'll, I give him a lot of credit for that. Um, and I well, think let's he's the, let's, here's the here's the let's, this should be the final thing on Coach of the Year. The dude went undefeated at home, and you and Billy were giving me all that shit. Coach K only did that six times. That's wild. Stop. So this is where I'm going to stop you on that, though. And I want, That's and not I, wild. And get, do you want do you want me if all right? You know who your best home win was against? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. You can't uh, that's that's pointless. You either no, you either I, you either value going undefeated at home or you don't. And to me, Coach K was the coach for 44 years or something, 45, and only did it six times. This dude came in and did it in his first year. I don't care. It doesn't, I'm not saying that this is like this massive thing, and that's why he should get votes. I'm simply saying that that's impressive. Yeah, and, and that's fair. I will say to you, like. Tony Bennett didn't go undefeated at home. You guys all played the same people. What we're saying this? You're saying this year? Yes. It's fair. Uh, that's, and Tony Bennett's not in the in the coach of the year conversation. No, well, let wait, me tell you something. Know. No, Tony Bennett. Dick, what are we talking about? Tony Bennett. Dick, and they lost. Okay. They what lost to Houston. They lost to Houston. They lost the number one at home, but they went undefeated sure. in the rest of the way. And Virginia beat better teams at home, like. Molten, way more better teams than you guys did. That's that's my point. Like, did you go undefeated or not? Can we take a step back? And you're trying to give literally, you have the best home court environment of any team in the country, and you're like, oh, we went undefeated at home. Like, am I? <laughs> I feel like I'm taking crazy pills here. That you want a freaking medal for going undefeated at Cameron Indoor Stadium? It's the hottest building in America. They crank up the heat. You literally have these nerds that are in your face every single play. Just, oh, you oh, have oh, all oh, the wearing, nerds wearing babies oh. around their necks, like baby dolls. Like it's the weird. It's of course you're gonna like c- credit. All right, let's credit to you guys. You went undefeated at home. Now, like I, I can't believe as much as as awful experience I had at Chapel Hill two weeks ago. And, and the Dean Dome, that somehow you've managed to rile me up about Duke again. Right after I take your side, and I'm cheering for Duke, I was united in this, and somehow you you by asking for a freaking medal or a plaque. No uh, one's asking for a plaque. I'm simply asking you. We'll put a we'll that, put a banner. We'll put a banner next to the the Coach K wins banner in Cameron that 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 you guys don't hang because you only hang championship banners. Is it impressive or not? No, it's a good feat. There's a, like, so did uh, Louisiana went undefeated at home this year. All right. You called me crazy in, in like January 3rd when I wrote that article. And I was like, Duke will win out at home and probably lose the rest on the road and they'll finish like 22 and 11. I didn't call you crazy by any means. You were like, this dude thinks he's going to win out at home. And I, and look at what they yeah. did. I'm not saying that that's no. not crazy. They had the to only, beat the Carolina, only th- they had to beat no. NC State, they had to beat Miami. 
That was before all those. Games. Yeah, you beat Carolina. You know, I said that it would be a toss up, but you guys being at home is probably going to be an advantage. But like you beat Notre Dame, then Louisville, Virginia Tech, NC State. Like your best win is against the 52nd team in the country. Like you have two wins at home against a against tournament teams, which is Miami and NC State. I guess Pittsburgh. Like yeah, you won at home. Like you won at home. Congratulations. <laughs> Speaking right, of winning at home, something let's, that North Carolina could not do, and now because yeah. of that, is on the outside looking in. Um, I think first off, I want to get your thoughts on Carolina, Duke, the game, how it went, and then B, I want to figure out what does care does Carolina have to win the ACC tournament to get in? The answer to that is yes. That it's insane that Hubert Davis in his press conference was trying to like dodge that and be like, I don't, buy, I'm not I don't buy into that the narrative. narrative. What? Yeah, we have Bro, to win it's not a games. narrative. It's just like the facts. So, yeah, they have to win it all. Secondly, let's take a step back to the worst college basketball day of my life. Had to be even worse than Virginia losing to the 16th seed. Had to be. I think so. I think so, if you compared it. But the worst day of my life, waking up and having to go another day and watch Carolina probably win a championship, then they blew it. So that was step one. Thank God. Because then there's really, I honestly, I saw people be like, yo, the rivalry's over. Like if they want it, like truly, I don't think I would be able to say anything. Like maybe ever. Like maybe. Like I still would say stuff. But if they beat Duke in the final four and then won the national championship and Hubert Davis got a lifetime contract, I mean, there's not much I can say. Thankfully, that didn't happen. They blow the biggest halftime lead in NCAA championship history. Then all three of the goon squad, four of the goon squad decides to come back. Hype. Everybody's hype in Carolina. Chapel Hill's going nuts. We're about to re we're about to repeat, even though they lost. Preseason number one. Could this have now I, I, riddle me this? Could this year have gone better from a Duke fan's perspective? I don't think the I think the answer is no. Everything has gone Duke's way. UNC has sucked. In terms it, of the rivalry or in terms of just like what happened to UNC? No, forget the bro. Yeah, they yeah. were three seats in number of, one. They lost four yeah, games yeah, yeah. in a row in non-conference. Yeah. Duke beats them twice, and they're on the verge of not making the tournament. Yeah. If you told me after that day that this was gonna happen, I would have gave you a pinky. I would have gave you a thumb to have that happen. Yeah. I mean, it's as, as a self-proclaimed North Carolina hater, I'm very happy by it as well, um, especially just because the fact that, like we said, it is – A, I, I want to put it in perspective too. Not only is it if they miss the tournament, will it be – since the tournament expanded, they'll be the first preseason number one not to make it. But the lowest – since the tournament expanded, the two teams that have been the lowest seeded just in general – Sent that were preseason number ones yeah. was Kentucky in 15 as an eight seed. And they ended up still going to, they went all the way to the final four and a championship. Yes, yes, yes. That's that right. Kentucky. Uh, yeah. Um, and yeah, then, that's what Calipari just won the coach of the year for. Not just. One. No, 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 no. Team, that was right? the, no, that was the undefeated team that Calipari oh. won coach of the year for. This oh. is the one where they were number one and they, um, and they went all the way to, let's see, Kentucky. They were preseason number one. No, sorry, 15 is the year they went 38-0 and 0, and then lost to Wisconsin in the, in the yeah, final four. In 16, in 2016, they were preseason number one. 
and no sorry let me think this would have been maybe it was 14 um but either way 14 it was 14 they lost to UConn the championship they were preseason number one they went in as an eight seed and then but still lost to UConn in the national championship so they were preseason number one in 14 um the only other team that was preseason I think it was oh it was a UConn team in the mid 2000s that was a five seed so outside of a five like the lowest the lowest two preseason number ones, the lowest seeds that have ever even been has been a f- one time a five and one time an eight. And North Carolina is not even going to be an eight. They're not going to be a nine. They're not going to be a 10. If I, if I think my only caveat to this is obviously if they win the conference tournament, they're in um, by nature of just an automatic bid. There's still a part of me that thinks if they do run the table, which I think they actually can just because of the matchups, if they get to, if they get to Saturday, I do think I in my mind maybe it's, maybe it's me telling my yeah if they lose in the championship in let's say in a close game on Saturday night and maybe I'm just telling myself this to prepare myself, but I think they get in because I think you've got enough like momentum of like all right well they win they would beat I mean, they beat Boston College Wednesday all right then they beat Virginia on Thursday which we've seen them do already. It's not a great matchup for Virginia. Well, I think Virginia is a better team. They can easily be beaten again by Carolina, especially in Greensboro. Then they would either – they'd probably play NC State, which is another NCAA tournament team, which they've beaten before. They'd have they, to win those two. They can beat, They can, they, which they can win. And that would be yeah, the semis I, on Friday. And then if you if you play a Carolina or Duke and you have a good game against them and you're not getting blown out, I think you've got enough momentum that – the one thing that I do think that Carolina will have the benefit of the doubt is that if you put them in the first four in Dayton, you're getting your viewership is going to spike compared to putting another team in there. And so I, I don't I don't want to say the committee is biased, but I you can't tell me that that's not at least in the back of their mind of what's best for the NCAA tournament and ratings that there's somewhat of an edge that's like if it if you tell me team A and team B and you're looking at a blank resume, but then you say, hey, Team B is going to give you five times more viewers on on True TV or TBS, whoever has the first four games. I think that's going to weigh to their advantage. So that's I – I know a lot of people don't think that. I do think if they win three straight against – and including Virginia and NC State or even Virginia, Clemson – like Clemson as well, like one of, one of the two of those, NC State or Clemson, and they pick well, up two more quad one wins – it, it helps their case that they've got momentum as if they put a good showing in on Saturday. I don't disagree. Here's the thing. NC state right now is in Lenardi's last four buys. UNC is in the first four out that NC state's like, they got to win. They got to win one game. I, I think they started... if they just win one that they're in for sure. Yeah. And it, right now they're in for sure. But I'm saying if they just, if they lose to Virginia tech and Notre Dame, and then some of these other teams that Lenardi has, Rutgers goes on a run, uh, Penn State goes on a run, Arizona State, Wisconsin, Oklahoma State, Michigan. What if Michigan gets – I don't think they're going to do it. But like The thing that's weird is that Carlson. Michigan – the thing that's interesting that people have been pointing out is that by Michigan winning that – so UNC beat Michigan, and it could – by them winning, it, help, it could potentially help Carolina add an extra quad one win to their resume. But at the same time, you also don't want them to win because they're just right on the bubble there with you. So 
Yeah. Like by Michigan, yeah. like it, it, if, if Michigan can help their own net ranking, it will by proxy help North Carolina. But you also, if you're North Carolina, I think you just want Michigan to lose first round of the big 10 tournament and help that out. Like NC state, you're right. It's not, this is the first time we've seen them. Like even they, I think they were, we thought they were going to be cement, uh, cemented as like an eight or nine seed probably, but they lost back to back to Clemson and to Duke. Um, they lost to Syracuse a few, a uh, couple weeks ago. Um, I still think they're very good and I think they can cause a lot of problems. Um, just, they have two of the best guards in the entire country and Terquavion Smith and Jarkel Joyner. Um, and, and I think it'll be interesting to see, but you're right. Like looking at the rest of the bubble who right now at first four out that Lenardi has are Oklahoma state, Wisconsin, Arizona state, and the next four out are Michigan, Charleston, Clemson, and Oregon. Just like you said of the NC State debate, you can make the exact same thing for Clemson there too. Clemson, Clemson's got they're going to be. I mean, everyone's fighting for their life, but like Clemson's got to win two games. They got to get to the championship. And Clemson doesn't. Yeah, if I think you're right, Clemson does not have to play Wednesday. They get the double bye, um, just like Virginia, unlike North Carolina. So Clemson will play Thursday. Um, in, in that bottom part of the bracket against either, yeah, like an NC State or um, or Virginia Tech. But you're right. I think it's probably the same. If Clemson can make a run to the ACC, if that, I guess that's my point. If you look at this, I think there's almost, there's even more negative bias. A lot of fans towards, like, oh, there's no way Carolina has to win it. But if you tell me that Clemson makes it to the ACC championship as a bubble team, I think there's more teams like, oh, well, they made it to the championship. They beat these teams. They beat Virginia along the way, and they beat NC State along the way. And um, I, I think Clemson, yeah, you, Clemson could you, play themselves in as well. Do you think that overall – this would be an interesting trend. Lenardi probably has it. Do you think that overall conference tournaments help teams more than they hurt teams? Meaning – for Clemson, for example, they basically have to win two games to get in. So the answer is clearly like, yeah, the, the, the answer for them is no shit. We got to win. But like for a Purdue or a UCLA, like they're fighting for a one. So it, what's more important? Like if Purdue wins it all and UCLA loses in the semis, is that good? Because right now, Lenardi has UCLA as a one and Purdue as a two. Is that enough to switch it? Or is it like, no, man, UCLA already has a good enough regular season like they got it. I think it only I, – I don't think that the committee is docking many teams based on their conference tournament performance. So I you're think saying it, it rewards more than it hurts? A hundred percent. Like, I don't even think it's very close. Like, and even if you look at over the past few years, I mean, shoot, the year that – and honestly, both But times, what about like, like – what about like – okay, so Virginia right now is a four. What if they lose to Carolina in the first round? How many seeds would they drop, if any, in your opinion? They might they might drop to a five, depending on what the like five seeds are doing in their conference tournaments. But I mean that I could, that that's not a small deal. But I no, I it's not. You, but if you yeah. look at my, I guess my look. If you look at 2018 Virginia and 2019 Virginia, they both were like really strong as one. 18 Virginia lost, or Virginia won the ACC tournament. It was a one seed, and then obviously lost to UMBC in 19. They lost in the semis to Florida State. They didn't even make it to the AC championship. They were still given a one seed, and then they went and won the national championship. And so I think it, it definitely – I think in terms of – maybe it's, it has something to do too with like the higher – like the one seeds 
you obviously have a much more solidified resume there. And I think there's not going to be as much variance based like one game in the tournament. Maybe you can tweak a couple things, but I do think you can, you can catapult yourself up higher um, just by getting to a final or looking really good. Look at, I mean, Texas A&M last year, um, shoot, Virginia Tech played there where they ended up winning it. But I think even Virginia Tech had lost, they're a bubble team that then by Sunday when they played Duke, or Saturday night when they were playing Duke, everyone's like, oh, well, they just ran the gauntlet to the ACC tournament. Like, yeah, like put them in. So I, I think probably the biggest impact it has would be bubble teams that win. And I think probably the lowest impact, like, I don't, I really think, and correct me if you think differently, like, I think our one seeds are pretty locked in right now, unless you think that there's. Yeah, we were going to talk about that. So, I mean, do you agree with Lenardi? I mean, I think the only one that's up for debate is UCLA and Purdue. Kansas is the overall number one. I know Bama just lost, but I still think they're one. Houston's definitely one. Um, I, I actually, I think that Purdue will probably, I personally, the, the only thing. Bama? I don't, I think that at Kansas, Alabama, Houston, most of the other sides, Lenardi's got UCLA one. But if you go to Bracket Matrix and you look at CBS, all the other, it aggregates all that. Mo- more people have Purdue as a one than UCLA. Um, a lot of, yeah, I so agree. I, I actually, I think if I was to do it right now, and I know I said this, I think on the last episode, UCLA is my favorite team to win the national championship. Like I, I truly think they have the best chance. Um, and I like their team and I like the way they're built and I like the potential path they have as well. Like they could go Sacramento to Las Vegas to Houston. Like they could stay on the West coast. Um, now the other part of that is just how the others shake out. Like if you look at the Midwest, Kansas is going to be ahead of Kansas and Alabama. I think their resume is, is ahead of, um, is, is ahead of Purdue, no matter what same with Houston. Mm-hmm. Now, Lenardi's got Kansas in the Midwest, which is in Kansas City, which they'll probably reward them with that, you would think. Yeah. They and they probably deserve it. Alabama in the South, which is Louisville, Houston in the East, which is New York and MSG. And then the West in Las Vegas, they have UCLA. I think it's going to be now the weird thing is here is like UCLA, he's got Texas as the two in that. I think it's you just could you could potentially just flip-flop. UCLA and Purdue is the one and the two. And I think if you're if you're UCLA, you're fine as long as you're the one or the two if you're in the West. Like I, I don't really think it makes that much of a difference, to be honest. Not that this is real, but how mad is Kentucky that they got matched up with Gonzaga as a three? Like they would so much rather play Tennessee or who are the other three is Mark. Oh shit. Nobody wants to play Marquette right now. Or Kansas State, I would assume Kansas State and Tennessee. Or you got to play Gonzaga if you beat. Pittsburgh. I'm, I'm just gonna get ahead of this right now. And I have all the faith in the world in in my who's, and I think they're they have a lot like they could <laughs> go all the tournament. But I am so scared of a four thirteen matchup against the, whoever wins the Mid American Conference because yeah. it's probably not going to be our alma mater. Now, granted, Jeff Bowles oh, maybe cool. playing on offense. They could make a run, and I'd be more than happy. I'd be thrilled. Amazing. But Toledo is very legit. Kent Toledo. State is very legit. Akron yeah. is legit. All those teams could pose problems, especially a Toledo team that right now, I believe, has the nation's longest winning streak. They have won 15 straight. They're 25-6. and six. They have the nation's eighth-best offense. 
Now their defense is pretty poor. They're 276. I want to get ahead of this right now before conference tournament. If Toledo does, they're going to be, I think, potentially one of the trendiest picks. And if they win the MAC tournament, Toledo will be one of the trendiest picks. And I just hope that for Virginia's sake, if they are a four seed, they don't end up on that side. Even Kent State as well, because Kent State's got sincere carry of like a type of a DJ Cooper type player that can take over the game at any point. Kent State has awesome, awesome defense. They make they turn teams over. They're really, really good. They beat they beat Toledo. They're twenty five and six themselves. Um, they have the 39th defense. I'm very scared of that. The other one that I will love, I don't know if you've caught this matchup. Lenardi right now has UConn as the four and Iona as a 13. That would be incredible. Ooh. Patino, Hurley in, in New York. Albany. In oh, Albany. No, yeah, yeah, because yeah. the yeah, in Albany. Um, some of these others, I don't like it's they're really, really interesting to see how uh there are some potential matchups and I think storylines. Right now, so wait, you you said oh you've got Gonzaga oh the three six is Kentucky Gonzaga got yeah it. yeah if they win if they win yeah yeah no that makes sense and I think looking at it like there are there's some really interesting matchups um, that could potentially unfold just based on where teams are seated like the four seeds are really interesting to me if you look at it's right now it's got Indiana Yukon Virginia and Xavier now Xavier just lost Zach Fremantle but like. You can make like you can make arguments for all four of those, all three of Indiana, um, Virginia, and UConn that they look like at some point in the season that each of them looked like top five teams. Yep, it's crazy, and so that's like, and you think you know, of it UConn like being a four, like you could easily pick them to get out of that. Maryland's a scary eight. Miami is a five. Duke is a seven right now, and you see where you see where Lenardi has not projected to be playing. Columbus. Columbus. That would be no, that man. would be perfect for you. All right, let's talk through the conference breakdown. We've said this starting back in January. Is this going to be the year again that the Big Ten gets the most teams? And then by Elite Eight time, Elite Eight time, you know, they have one, you know, and probably Purdue. Um they got 10 projected right now. SEC has eight. Big 12, for all its glory this year, has seven, and the ACC has five. Big East five, Pac-12 three, Mountain West three, WCC two, and American two. Um, this probably will not be far off. This will be probably spot on, actually. Maybe maybe Big Ten gets nine. You know, I don't know. Yeah, Wisconsin sitting there on the bubble. Michigan sitting there on the bubble. Um, a couple things could sway Rutgers, that way. last four in. I mean, you know, that, yeah, so yeah. actually in Penn State, last four by, like, that actually could swing in the in a bad direction for the Big Ten, but still, like you got to assume that those teams yeah. are going to win at least one. The two conferences that probably the tournaments mean the most for those bubble teams is going to be the Big Ten, the ACC right now. Yeah, because the AC, those five they got to they got to win a game for sure, and they yeah, I mean the, for the most part they will. Big East uh, five, you know that's right, but probably at the beginning of the year you'd figured they'd get six or seven in. Yeah, I think obviously um, Villanova not traditionally not being included. Like it sucks, and especially because Villanova, like they're playing a lot better now too. Um, I mean, it, it took. I mean, they had to deal um, early on. They didn't have Justin Moore, and they started at what they finished. They started two and five. And they were seven and seven at the turn of the new year. 
Um, and then they've looked outside of losing at home to UConn on Saturday. I mean, they had won six of their last seven um, in, in the Big East. So, like, losing them, uh, Villanova not being part of it definitely hurts the Big East. Um, outs- in that conference, though, I think if you were to give me between Marquette, Xavier, Creighton, UConn, Providence, Marquette, who, who are you putting the most faith in? Probably Marquette. Definitely not Providence. Have you seen them lately? They can't guard. I've not been much. watching them. It's insane how bad they're playing right now. It doesn't make too much sense. Yeah, no, I'm putting all my stock in in UConn and Marquette. You put UConn, Marquette, the yep. one team, and I don't. I I hate this because I'm I feel like anymore. I'm I'm usually a hater, and I'm usually I usually don't believe in them. Creighton fits our, is really close to fitting our mold of the 27th offense and offense and the 10th best defense. They really guard, oh, man. man. They really guard. And it's and I know they've lost like they had a six game losing streak between November 23rd and December 16th that I think everyone kind of yeah, you know, we put kept them to bed. And forth. Like what the yeah, hell? They were six and they were six and six um right before Christmas. And then but then they went on a what, nine game, eight, nine game winning streak between January 14th and February 11th, where they obviously started playing a lot better. They started playing to their obviously to their potential. Like Ryan Nimhard's really good. Baylor Shireman's really good. Like Kalk Brenner is, I think, did he finish maybe player defensive player of the year, I believe, maybe for Creighton. Yeah, I think he just um, went back to back. Here's what here's the other thing to your point about Creighton that I've completely reversed course on, you know, maybe in the last few years recently. It is so much more beneficial to win the ACC tournament or not not the ACC, your conference tournament versus like being automatic. You're going to get in, but maybe like losing in the semis and then getting some extra rest. No, no, I'm fully on board that it is so much more advantageous, not only for the obvious of like, yeah, you just won your conference tournament. So there's like natural fucking juices there, but there was a conversation around, well, what if you get a little extra rest and you lose in this round? And does that help you? It's like, no, man, no, no rest. Just- I'm going to be honest. I could not disagree with you more. Oh, okay. Let's end, yeah, could- let's end with another argument. This is good. And I've got so like, much better. The perfect example of this is literally last year. It's the Iowa Hawkeyes. Well, the Iowa Hawkeyes, the Iowa Hawkeyes won the big, the won the big 10 tournament. Yep. They were the hottest team. They literally won. They smoked everybody in it too. They beat Indiana. I think by I three picked points. them to go to the Elite Eight. <laughs> yeah, they went. They beat Northwestern one twelve to seventy six. They beat Rutgers eighty four seventy four. They beat IU by three, and then they beat Purdue in the Big Ten Finals seventy five to sixty six. And then they lost to Richmond in the first round sixty seven to sixty three. I know it, and I know I talked, and they were like the trendiest like ever, and it made me believe in eight. I say this again in twenty eighteen Virginia won the ACC. They pretty like relatively easily. They beat Louisville, Clemson, and UNC, and they lost to UNBC. The next year they go in, they lose to Florida state in their second game uh, by about 10. And then they go and win the national championship. And maybe obviously I'm biased because it's, it's worked out in Virginia's favor. Um, But I mean, shoot, if you look at, um, even look at last year, like Carolina definitely didn't win the AC tournament. Duke didn't win the ACC tournament. They both go to the final four. I believe uh, looking at Kansas in 20, I believe. Let's I mean, see. listen, I, I can't I even remember. Honestly, it's, it's hard for me to remember. Um, 
Kansas in 22. They did win. So they did they hadn't they they were rolling since they their last loss was on March 1st and they oh, did win man. they did win the the Big 12 tournament last year. Um that's gonna be, my, that's gonna be my homework for the night. And 21 Baylor as well. Like Baylor, um I believe Baylor in 21, yeah, because they're only no Baylor in 21, Big 12 conference tournament. They lost to Oklahoma State in their second game um and then went on to win the national championship. So We'll have stats here by the uh, well by the next episode um, with the bracket because we're going to know who these conference champions are. Yeah, we're going to know what seed they are, and you might ride the wave. I might be having a little more cautionary tale, um, yeah. but it is uh, no, it, it is it is really interesting because like I, that's why I'm at the spot even with Virginia right now, where I think they can lose to Carolina. I also think the, and then be great and make a sweet 16, maybe even make a final four. I can also see them winning the ACC tournament and then exactly like running into a yeah, buzzsaw of a Toledo team or um, a, a really good mid-major. That's a tough matchup. And, but that's just the the beauty of March in, in itself. Anyways, no matter how good you are, even you win your power conference tournament, you can be humbled just, just like that, like a UMBC, like a Richmond. Um, you, you never know. So. Yeah. All right, man. Next time uh, everybody hears from us, it will be next Monday, a um, couple hours after Selection Sunday. We are excited, man. We are almost there. This is going to be a wild one. We've been saying it all year. This has been like, although now it feels a little, it always feels a little clearer once you get to March 6th, but like it looks as if, Oh yeah, these have been the four best teams, but it it's not it was never that clear. It looks clearer now, but it really wasn't throughout the year. Um because if you look at all those two seeds, like all of them had made a case at some point during the year. Like at some point we were like, "All right, Baylor's probably the best. Texas went on their run. They had their struggles. Arizona, Purdue for for about a month and a half, we were like there's nobody beating Purdue." So yeah. like there was probably like 8 to 12 teams in there. I mean, UConn for a while, like right? Like it was just it was all over the map. Um, all right. That's it, man. One more no, week. It'll be, I mean, the, I, it's it, expect the unexpected. As cliche and dumb as that is, it really is it's expect the unexpected because, um, and what's the dumb LeBron's favorite quote? Of course, he's like, oh, he's like, be un- uncomfortable being uncomfortable. That's my favorite quote right there. <laughs> Shout out to LeBron. And, and also his dream, his dream about Jordan and the Duke and UNC Duke. game and, Oh man, I I have a feeling that by the time that LeBron is like Magic's age, his Twitter handle is going to oh. be like Magic Johnson, where it's just kind of like, "That's a doing, good man? call out." What That's are we doing? Because he's kind of trending there already. We're getting there. Here's because the he also embraces kind of the corny dad life as well. Yes, and I think like once he's out, like he's always going to be like he's he's there's always going to be a cool element of LeBron, but there's a corniness element of LeBron that Jordan doesn't have that Jordan no. just like shuts off that if that starts rolling in itself, we're going to get like, um, Oh I man, think that would be good for LeBron to just lean into it. No, which, I, I do too. Which he did eventually with all those things of like all his, all his friends calling him out of like, do you see what the internet's doing to you by the way? Like, yeah. and he finally acknowledged it. I think that's good for LeBron, man. Like if the worst thing you can say about LeBron James is that he's corny. He's had he's had a pretty good career. That's for sure. That's for sure. Well, conference tournament shout out. I think actually right now let's see, we've got a few on. Um, 
last actually note I'll bring up, and I just want a random obscure note, the Sun Belt. The Sun Belt tournament, I actually watched a bunch of this this week. Four new teams this year. It was James Madison, Southern Miss, ODU, and Marshall. The top three seeds were all – it was between – it was Southern Miss, um, Marshall was the two. Forget who the three was, and then James Madison was the four. But those four new teams were all within the top six seeds. James Madison is the only one that made the semis. And they lose to eight seed South Alabama, who is just on a freaking hot streak. I don't know um, score wise right now if they're if they're in or if this game's even started as we're recording, but I mean shout, that's that is a sending a statement by the rest of the conference of yeah like okay you guys ran the regular season well welcome to the uh, welcome to the Sun Belt Conference tournament in Pensacola Florida where we've got Bubba Watson sitting courtside that's that uh, that that is that's honestly that's why kind of I love the uh, the tournaments being split up. Like you have, you've got like the sermon, yep. the weekends, you yep. get this first weekend. Um, Shout out to the yeah. Kennesaw state owls. Kennesaw state owls. As I'm, as we're, uh, we'll wrap with, with this live update that obviously is going to be outdated in 30 seconds, but <laughs> um, we've got a barn burner. Now the UNC Wilmington, what are they? The, uh, Seahawks. Yeah. They are up three on Hofstra in overtime with 16 seconds left. Louisiana, South Alabama, 11 minutes left in the Sun Belt Championship. Um, and then Chattanooga Furman, um, another final of the uh, of the SoCon. So we might have, as of now, we could have the uh, the Paladins and the um, Raging Cajuns. Yes. Um, and then I was the the CAA is still in their in their semis, but. Um, your your owls are your your former owls are, are in it. One of the biggest turnarounds in college basketball history, I think. Hootie who, baby. The owls. Um, all right. We'll see you guys next week. Until then, keep the ball bouncing. Deuces. Lately, I've been feeling like this is what I've been working towards. If you ain't trying to be the boss, then tell me what you're working for. Certain doors were closed, but now they opening up. Celebrating with some shots, maybe poke on a cup. Pull, slush, rustles up next, and I got this. Crazy like Britney and the love so toxic. Got a wall up, I'm trying to infiltrate a conscious. Taking 12 shots like where the cops is. Come on.